Amen and amen and amen. And so thank you, Dell and, and Casey, the Crowder Band. Amen, amen. So, uh, real quick, uh, just to share something with you, church. I know hopefully everybody got their, their letter uh, in the mail this week. I know we tried to send it out to uh, all of those that, that we had addresses for. And uh, so if you did not get one of these... Uh, let me know some way. Let the church know, Austin know, uh, let Kathy know. Let somebody know. Uh, give us your address, and we will make sure that you get one of these. And so basically, uh, this is our uh, regathering phase one. And so we're going to be coming back to church basically in some phases. And so the first phase, of course, you know, we can do about 130 people uh, in our sanctuary, uh, socially distanced. And so, uh, looking forward to that. You know, I, I talked to a church member this morning, Miss Ann, and, and I told Miss Ann, I said, you know, I said, pews have no expression. Uh, they're, they're just there. And I am ready to see faces again. I am ready to hear other voices. And listen, if you, if, if you got to wear a mask to come to church and to praise God, it's wearing a mask. Amen? I mean, that's just, that's my opinion. You know, people all over the world are meeting in underground caverns and caves to worship Jesus because they are afraid of the consequences that they will run into if they're found. And so, no, I, I don't like wearing a mask. It's, it's not one of my most personal preferences, but I'm telling you this. If, if that's what's required of me to come and, and, and to sing and to praise God, then, then I'll wear too. Um, I, I, I'm just ready. I'm, I'm I know we've got to do this uh, with wisdom. We have to do this with preparation. And I can promise you that we are doing that. We have it to where when you come in, we have people meeting you at the doors with their mask on. We've got hand sanitizers. We've got masks. If you don't have one, I know a lot of people have their own personal ones that they use. Uh, we've had some ladies in the church make some. Thank you all for that. Uh, if you need one, maybe we can we can maybe find make you one as well. Hopefully, um, you know we we've we've done just about everything we can do to make this place as safe as it can possibly be for you and for your family. Um, and, and we want to see you here. But right now, if your decision is to stay home and to watch it on Facebook Live, then we're going to respect that decision, and we're going to love you, and we're going to continue to do this, put it on YouTube. Austin has been busy doing that and putting it on our website. And so uh, we're still going to make sure that you are a part of what we are doing. Uh, but for those that can come next Sunday, uh, I, am, I am excited uh, to see you. You know, I, I told Dale, I said, next Sunday, I said, let's blow the roof off this place. I said, it's been over nine weeks since we have come together and to just sing together and just be in the presence of each other. That means so, so much to all of us. And so I'm looking forward to that. I, I pray that you have a Bible there with you at home. Uh, for those of you here, you have no excuse, right? There's one right in front of you. Hopefully you got your own. Uh, but we are going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 
And we're going to look at verses 1 through 7. And as I was preparing this week, I thought, Lord, I said, I think this is exactly what we need to hear right now. Uh, you know, next Sunday, we're going to jump in uh, to the book of Acts, and we're going to go forward, forward with that for probably several weeks. But when I was preparing this week, this was the, the sermon that God really laid uh, on my heart. And so title of the sermon this morning is Sharing Compassion and Comfort. And isn't this the time that we need that? Amen. Uh, compassion and comfort. Let me tell you a quick story. Uh, uh, there, there's a guy named uh, Mather who boxed in high school, and um, his coach's greatest goal was to teach his boxers that they absolutely, positively, without question, had to be get up fighters. Get up fighters. Now, if you're in a ring just once in your life and you get knocked down, but you get back up again, it's a never-to-be-forgotten experience. Your sense of achievement, it's distinct and it's unique. And sometimes the only thing making you get up is someone in your corner yelling, Get, get up. You know, as adults, every single one of us has dealt with our bouts of affliction Matter of fact, I would say right now we are dealing with those bouts. Amen. Um, right now there are people, I got an email this week, and people that are dealing with depression, people that are dealing with loneliness, people that are dealing with anxieties, and this quarantine has not helped a lot of those people. And so I thought to that, I was thinking about it and praying about it this week, and I thought, God, so many people, you know, on our mind right now, we're, we're thinking about this, this virus and how it's affecting us physically. But everything else that's going on with this virus is affecting people mentally. It's affecting people spiritually. You know, there's been times in our lives where we have been discouraged, we have been depressed, we have been down and out. We've had issues with anxiety We've had issues with, with stress. We've had issues with worrisome. We've had issues uh, with nervousness. To put it plain and simple, there have been times in our lives where we have suffered in one way or another. You know, when I think about the New Testament and all of the stories that you see in I've come to realize that much of the New Testament, it gives great examples of people that not only had their own issues with, with sufferings. Think about the stories of people that, were, were, that are blind, that are crippled, taken advantage of, wrongly accused, tortured, beaten, and the list goes on and on. But here's the great news. Not only does the New Testament share these stories, but the New Testament also explains how we as Christians can deal and use our own sufferings. To help people around us. Yes, I said that right. We can use our own issues. We can use our own bouts with doubt. We can use our own troubles. We can use our own problems that we have had in this life to help bring comfort to other people that are going through those situations right now at this very and that's exactly what we're going to see in our text this morning because the man that wrote this letter to the Christians in Corinth knew a thing or two about suffering. Amen? Paul, the apostle of Christ, he had been beaten. 
in his life. He had been threatened. He had been left for dead. He had been persecuted. He had been in prison. He had been falsely accused. And he did all of this. Why? Not because he just enjoyed it and said, oh, bring it on. No, 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 no. He did it because of his relationship and because of his love for who? For Jesus. And he wrote this letter to the Christians in Corinth because he understood their environment. He understood the situation that was going on and taking place right outside of this church family. He wanted to encourage them and he wanted to bring them comfort in their times of persecution and sufferings. Let's read 2 Corinthians. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And so Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, church of God in Corinth, together with all the saints throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God, our Father and our Lord, Christ. Praise be to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, comforts us in all our troubles. So we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our Lord flows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm. Because we know this just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the opportunity um, to teach and to sing and to pray and to reach others for Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray that's exactly what is done today because, Father God, the gospel has got to come just as important to us as breathing. And Lord, that's what we want to see here at Cecilia. We, we want to see people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We want to see people be excited about coming to church. We want to see people excited about singing and praising God. We want to see about being involved in their church and how we're trying to reach our community. Father, we want to see people just excited to know that Jesus is their Lord and their Savior, their Creator and their Sustainer. And God, that is something that we just cannot keep in. And so, Lord, it just comes out of us, God. And so, Lord, we want to feel that excitement, dear God. We want to feel that, the, that very love, Father, that you have instilled in us that comes through us, Lord, from the Holy Spirit that resides within us, dear God. And so, Lord, as we talk about love and compassion and comfort today, Father, Lord, I pray you're already working on some hearts. Because, God, even if there's the few here or those that are watching at home, the Holy Spirit is the same within each and every one of us. And, God, we know that he's talking to us, Lord. We know that he's urging us. Father, we know if there is conviction there within us, something maybe needs to be changed. Father, we know that we miss each other. Lord, we miss the corporate worship environment and that setting. But Father, right now, even at home, we can worship you. Father, we can praise you. We can give you thanks. And so, Lord, through this difficulty, through this 
last seven, eight, nine weeks that we have been quarantined and at home and isolated. Father, maybe there is something moving that is much bigger than us. Lord, maybe a great revival is coming. Father, maybe a coming back to church is going to be bigger than what anyone ever expected. And Lord, I know that that fear is there. And I know Satan will use this fear to try to divide the church. He will use this fear to try to get people out of the church. He will use this fear to cause a pandemonium. And God, we, we don't disrespect this virus. Father, we don't disrespect the health concerns and the issues that are going on, dear Lord. But Father, we know you are bigger And Father, we know you are stronger. And Father, we know that you are for us. And God, if you are for us, then nothing can be against us. And so, Lord, use this time today. Encourage us, strengthen us, convict us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. There's a little bit of a backstory uh, with the church in Corinth. Uh, We've been going through some of this in in our Sunday school class. Uh, and so, uh, Mr. Brackett, if you're listening, I, I know maybe you're smiling a little bit this morning because we've been talking about Corinthians. And so, the city of Corinth, it was a flourishing trade center because of its seaport and its thousands of merchants and sailors that, that entered there each and every year. But the city, the city built up a reputation as one of the most immoral cities in the ancient world. With its pagan temples and its idol worship, it encouraged the practice of sexual immorality and idol worship. So you can imagine how a Christian church with its Christian values would face these persecutions and conflicts and potential sufferings in such an area. So what does Paul do? Well, Paul sends them some reasons, five reasons in particular, and examples of sharing comfort in times of suffering. And his first encouragement is found in verse 3. And so we're going to start with this. Number one, sharing comfort in times of suffering. It's possible when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? That's how it's possible. You know, right now there's pretty much two sides of the story. Would you agree? There's the doom hope. And it depends on who you're listening to. For some, for others, hey, we're going to get through this what? To, we're going to get through this to, together. Well, no one knew the characteristics of Jesus in the Apostle Paul. The author of a great portion of the New Testament of man had been a, a terrorist and a persecutor uh, of Christians, a man that was trying so diligently at one to stop the proceedings of Christianity. But when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, Jesus changed, he changed his life. He saved him. He made him into a creature. And listen, when Paul got day to start his day, whatever he had for breakfast, whatever he had for lunch, whatever was going on in his mind, he never thought, my life is going to change today. Matter of fact, Paul thought he was going to change others' lives that day, amen? That he was going to stop what was going on. He was going to halt this movement of Christianity, and so he never thought he would be one of the followers. 
I'm looking so forward to jumping into the book of Acts. Oh, because, man, it preaches. Amen. It's so strong and it's so relevant for all of us. But he saved his life that day. And Christ showed him compassion even when he didn't even seem to deserve it. In 1 Timothy 1, 15-16, Paul says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and he said, whom I was the worst. This is Paul's words. For, for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Christ also showed him comfort and encouragement even when other Christians doubted his what? His transformation. When Jesus saved Paul's life, no one believed what had happened. I mean, could you, could you, I mean, we understood that. If we put ourselves back in that day and we're a Christian, all of a sudden you hear, well, hey, Paul, well, Saul, he's now a Christian. So the Lord spoke to an individual named Ananias. And he said, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. The apostle Paul knew that suffering for the gospel would come for the Christians in Corinth. Why? Because of their faith in Jesus. So he's reminding them to let their relationship with Christ be the support that they needed in the very time of their struggle. That's who we turn to. Amen? We turn to Jesus. You know, I said Wednesday night, our world right now, we're looking more toward the created than we are toward the creator. Amen? That's where we are. And then we want to know, well, hey, you know, we, we, we've got to get our answers from this person. We've got to get our answers from that person. We've got to get our answers from our culture and our society. And the truth be told, most of the answers we're looking for are found right here in the Word of God. They're right here. He is the great physician, by the way. Amen? He is the healer of all healers. And so secondly, Paul reminds us of number two, sharing comfort in times of suffering as possible because Jesus has equipped us to share. Did you know that? Did you know that if you are a Christian, then God has equipped you to share? And so Paul gives two distinct points about what Christ has done for the Christian. Number one, Christ comforts us in our times of what? Of affliction. He does that for you. He does that for me. See, Jesus Christ isn't a Savior of partiality, but He's a Savior of fulfillment. Christ comforts those He loves in all of our oppression and affliction and all of our tribulations and our distress and our problems and in our difficult situations, Jesus can do that for you. There's a falsity going around about the gospel in which many are saying if you've been saved by Christ, then never have any troubles in this life. There, there is that falsity going around. Now many think that when God comforts us, all our troubles should just go away. In general, start turning to Jesus out of relief, then turning to Jesus out of love and the necessity of that forgiveness, the necessity of being reborn, the necessity of realizing that we're 
forgiveness, the necessity of that restoration, that necessity of that justification. We, the people look at Jesus and say, well, I want you for what I can get out of you. But then Jesus says, hey, you don't come for me for that. You come for me for salvation. And through that salvation, and through that relationship, I'm not only going to comfort you, but I'm going to equip you. And that's the second point. Christ, Christ comforts us in our affliction so we can comfort others. Wow, amen? You know, Paul didn't say it would be easy. But Paul says that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction because we have been comforted ourselves by God. And look what Paul says. He says, in any trouble. We're not even sure what, what, what others' problems are going to be. It could be a lack of trust in God. It could be discouragement. It could be financial problems. It could be anxiety. It could be marital issues. It could be a loss of a, a, a loved one. Or Christ may use our problems to reach out to others for the gospel because I believe that's when, when people are looking at, at Christians is at our most difficult and trying times to see how you and I are going to what? Respond. How are we going to respond? You know, I read a story a little while back, a little boy facing surgery. I want to read this to you. It touched my heart. I, I think it will yours. Tomorrow morning, I'll open up your heart, the surgeon said to this eight-year-old little boy. You'll find Jesus there, the boy said. The surgeon continued, I'll open up your heart, and I'm going to check the damage. You'll find Jesus there, the little eight-year-old boy said. When I see the damage, I will suture you back up and, and then think about the next step, said the surgeon. You'll find Jesus in my heart because my Sunday school teacher... Told me so. It says so in the Bible. Besides that, our Sunday school songs say he lives there. Said the eight-year-old boy. The surgery took place the next day, and after the surgery, the surgeon began to make notes of what he had found. In his mind, there was no hope or cure for this little eight-year-old boy. The little boy would die within a matter of months. The thought began to get to the doctor, and all of a sudden, the doctor shouted to God. Why did you do this to this, this boy? Why can't he have a, a normal life? And God spoke to the surgeon's heart and said, the boy is a part of my flock, and he will always be a part of my flock. When he is with me, there will be no more suffering, there will be no more pain. He will have comfort, and he'll have peace. And one day his parents, as well as you, will join, and my flock will continue to grow. And the next day, the surgeon went back to the little boy's room, and he sat down with the parents beside the bed, and in a moment or two, the boy opened his eyes and he asked very quietly, he said, what did you find in my heart? And with tears flowing down the doctor's cheeks, the surgeon said, I found Jesus there. It's pretty spectacular. 
a story that touches the heart and pulls on the strings. You know, people right now are wondering, where's God? God's still here. God still loves you. God still wants to help us. God is, God's not walking out on us because there's a virus. Truth be told, we're the ones that walk out on God. When things don't go our way, everybody, well, I'm questioning God. Things aren't right in my life. Well, I'm questioning God. Well, maybe God's letting you go through something to build your testimony. Maybe God's letting you go through something so you can comfort someone else. You know, this life's not all about us. This life is not all about you, and that's the problem. That's what we're taught from day one. This life, be, you be the best you you can be for you. And Jesus says, you be the best you can be for me. To go for others. And then thirdly, Paul reminds us, number three, sharing comfort in times of suffering. It's possible because our comfort in Christ, it's abundant. Amen? It's abundant. Do you see what Paul is saying? He, he's telling the believers at Corinth that even though you suffer for the cause of Christ and that suffering may seem to overtake you at times, his comfort and his encouragement, his strength will always be equal in proportion to the sufferings that we encounter. And this is why it's important for us Christians to realize that when we go through difficult times in our lives, there are a, there, there's a myriad of people that are watching you. Our families, the lost, young believers in Christ Jesus. And if we give up in times of struggle, then what kind of faith are we expressing? What kind of faith are, are we illustrating? What kind of faith do we even have to begin with? The sufferings of Christ that Paul's referring to are those afflictions that we experience as we do the ministry of Christ Jesus. Paul knew these people would be scoffed at. He knew that these people, they would be laughed at because of their faith in Jesus. And that's why he tells them in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9, he said, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. He knew. You know, in the United States of America, we have freedom of speech. But many Christians are scared to death to speak their beliefs because we feel as though if we do, we're going to be persecuted. We're going to be laughed at or, or tossed aside because of our, our views and our faith. People say, oh, they're weak and they're non-believable. Yet Christ says, you stand up for me and I promise I'll stand up for you. And then fourthly, Paul reminds us of this, sharing comfort in times of suffering. It helps to advance the gospel. It absolutely helps to advance the gospel. Paul had a different way of viewing pain and sufferings. Paul looked at his sufferings as a way to communicate the gospel in, in times of pain and in times of hurt and despair and discouragement. How can our sufferings advance the gospel? I think many people want to know this. Brother Donnie, how in the world is my sufferings going to help advance the gospel? Well, number one, it helps build our trust in the Lord. It's going to build that trust that you have in God. Proverbs 3, 5, I love this verse. The Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own what? Lean not on your own understandings. Paul went through terrible times as a Christian, but he always trusted God. 
You know, I've been reading the book of Job this last week. Been going through the Old Testament with first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles, kept going on now in the book of Job. And, and you read that book of Job, and everything that he had basically was what? It was taken from him. People tried to get him to curse God. People tried to get him to, to give up. People basically were telling him, Job, you're, you're crazy. You've lost your mind. And then chapter 36, 38, somewhere, God re-enters the picture. And here he is once again. And he talks about the creation. Job, where were you when I told the seas to what? To stop. Where were you? And he makes his presence known. Job never, ever forgot God through his times of persecution, through his times of sufferings, and his times of hardships. So it builds our trust in the Lord. Number two, it builds our faith in Christ. It builds our trust and it builds our faith. Romans 5, 3 through 4, not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, Character and character hope. You know, for some, sufferings and, and, and hardships seem to destroy their faith. For some. Because they believe that God doesn't love them or treasure them if something wrong goes in their what? Goes on in their life. And that's just not true. You know, I want you to think about this. From the time that Jesus was born until the time of his physical death, people tried to kill him. They tried to kill him. They tried to trap him. They tried to manipulate him. The devil tried to lure him into his traps and his own people face and they beat him. But his faith never wavered in the Father. It never wavered. And then number three, teaches us through our sufferings to encourage others as they go through sufferings. I mean, isn't that what the governor's been telling us, right? That, that, that we will get through this what? We will get through this together. And that's what Paul is telling the believers in Corinth. And that is what I am telling you today. Personal testimonies. People that have been through difficulties... God brought them through the storm. Amen? And they can use that to tell others. Now they can use that to teach others. Now they can use that to show others, listen, if I can get through it, then I know that with God, you can get through this as well. People need that now more than ever. Amen? Well, we got... you. you be careful, you know, we've got to be careful about getting back into church. Yeah, you're right, but I'm telling you, we need it. We need it. Sunday school teachers back. We need our youth to be back. We need our kids to be back. Every age group within the church to be back. And listen, I'm not advocating. I know people say, well, brother, please don't advocate for certain age group to be back at church. I'm advocating for that because I love all of the age groups that we have in our church is this need God and we it's not something that we, that we just throw aside and that's what 
Satan is hoping. He is hoping I shut the churches down and they stay shut down. He is hoping that, yes, people are going to suffer and there's not going to be any hope. There's not going to be joy. There's not going to be peace. There's not going to be any love. We're just going to be scared to death to either come back and be a part of the body of Jesus Christ. That's exactly what Satan is hoping. Personal testimonies. You know, this is what I had planned, is to ask three of our men to give a personal testimony of what Jesus Christ has done in their life. Why? Because people need to hear them. They need to hear from our dads. They need to hear from the men of our church and women. They need to hear from all of us how Jesus has changed our life. How he picked us up and how he dusted us off and he said, get back at it, brother. Get back at it, sister. And then lastly, Paul reminds us, sharing comfort in times of suffering is possible because our hope is firmly grounded. Our hope is firmly grounded. Paul knew that to share in Christ's suffering all, also meant experiencing God's comfort through those sufferings. And, and his hope was firmly grounded that when persecution came for those in Corinth, they would be able to stand their ground, they would be able to keep the faith, and they would be able to persevere because of their relationship with Christ Jesus. Listen, I'm going to tell you, these last eight to nine weeks have been the most difficult that I have ever experienced as a pastor. People say, well, Brother Don, you, you, you know, you, you're still at church. You, you're, you're still getting your income. You're, you're still there. You know, let me tell you, I miss you. I miss seeing you and hearing you and sitting down and talking to you and making plans to reach Cecilia and making plans to reach people for Jesus. It's broke my heart that we had to cancel Bible school and children's camp and youth camp. That that tear that me apart. Well, it'll come back, Brother Donnie. It'll be back. And you're right. You're right. And I pray that when you come back, I pray when these things get back, we don't ever take them for granted again. That I'm here next Sunday or whatever Sunday that you choose and you wear your mask, I hope you sing so loud that you bust a hole right through it. Because that's how much you love the Lord. That's how much you love each other. If a difficulty popped up in your life today, is your relationship with Jesus where it needs to be? Is, is, it, is it solid? And you can say, I know that I will get through this with Jesus. I know I'm going to get through this with him. Are you prepared to share comfort and compassion with others when difficulties arise? And man, I think our church has been doing a great job. Amen. I'm going to pat you on the back, church. Listen, our deacons have been calling.
something. I had one come by my house yesterday uh, and bring me candy, and I don't even know how they knew what I liked, but amen, and you know who you are. And so thank you for that. We have been going and taking stuff to moms. We have making phone calls. We have been doing emails. We've been reaching out, Facebook Live. We've been doing everything that I know. The Easter egg thing was genius, uh, by the way, that Austin and Brooklyn came up with. We have been trying to do everything that we can do. Because I promise you, these difficulties are not going to define our faith. We're going to let our faith define these difficulties. Will others see Jesus in your testimony when you face your own challenges? You know, Oswald Chambers, he once said, if you're going to be used by God, he will take you through a multitude of experiences that are not meant for you at all. They're meant to make you useful in his hands. Wow. Brother, that, that, that preaches some of this stuff that we go through in life, God's going to use it to comfort other people. Your salvation story, your struggles, the bouts that you've had in your life, God's going to use those. You may not know it right now, but I've even heard those testimonies from some of the people in this very room of some of the problems they went through in their life, in their marriages, finances, jobs, different things. And they felt like they were in the bottom of the pit. But listen to me, and I love this new song that's out, by the way. God is the God of the valley, and he's the God on the mountain. And whatever he brings us to, God will bring us through it. And so this morning, I don't know where you are in your walk with God. I don't know if you're not saved, if you don't have a relationship with him. You know, the Bible tells us that all we have to do is confess. All we have to do is believe, and God will save us. If you have questions about salvation, let us know. If you have questions about your walk with Jesus, let us know. Or maybe you're at home and you're a Christian this morning, and you know God's been working on you, and you've been quiet long enough. And you want to share what God's done in your life. I promise you, when we come back together, God's going to give you those opportunities to tell what Jesus has done in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for our own stories. God, I know you're today. There's people at home today. The Spirit is working in their life. Lord, maybe people are down on bended knee right now praying, Father. Maybe they're down right now crying out to you, Lord. Maybe they're asking how they can help others, how they can use their stories to impact others, dear God. So, Father, I pray right now we're already equipped. The Spirit lives within us. Help us to reach out. Help us to be the people that you need us to be. Lord, move. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.